podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's got to 2-2 two, two, and we've still got more than half an hour to go and here's Ozil. Lacazette. Ozil! Go! Hello and welcome to another weekly edition of Touchy Gooners. It's your boy SV Carboholic on hosting duty this week, and I'm joined by my good friend. Um the controversial man himself, German Dan. How are you, sir? <laughs> I've become controversial now. Damn, man. <laughs> we, 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 we're always watching your crimes, brother. So, you know, you're, you're, <laughs> man's on probation. So, um, uh, yeah, uh, just, just a quick few house rules just before we get going. Um, if you do like our stuff, you do like our stuff, feel free to sign up to our Patreon for as little as £3 a month where we do some post-match reviews. When it's transfer season, we do some scouting pieces, look at players we're linked to, and obviously the January window coming up. So I'm sure that's something we're going to look at again. Um, but yeah, uh, let's 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 get into it. Um, I don't really want to. We, we haven't done it since last week, so I don't really want to touch too much on uh, the Aston Villa game. But I'll, I want to look at that and PSV sort of in its entirety. So uh, after six wins in a row, we lost to Aston Villa, and we drew with. Um, PSV in a dead rubber in the Champions League. So, um, how are you viewing maybe the little halt in progress generally? Is it just just a little blip, and you expect us to pick up again this weekend against Brighton, or are there any deeper things that we should be looking into um, post, especially the Villa defeat? Um, good question. To be fair, um, I think those those things happen in the season, right? Like I think City are going through. A bit of a blip in the league as well, drawing a couple games. Um, I've lost a couple games. Um, and I feel like, you know, the games or the Villa game in particular, we we've lost that, but I, I wasn't discouraged by the overall performance. Um, I did feel that we it's not like we lacked ideas or that we um that we that we look really bad defensively. I think Villa are quite a good team. They have an impeccable home record over the last sort of 14, 15 matches matches and um they they hit they hit us early in that game and um we struggled to get back um into the game uh, and the way we wanted to by equalizing quickly and winning the game um but we should have at least got the equalizer i felt like we'd be created enough um opening situations to make that happen so overall the performance didn't discourage me what um worried me a little bit was just our finishing touch in the end and um, I think the substitutions didn't help us in that game as well. So I think it's one of the things that, you know, over the next couple of weeks are going to be important because I think in the, um, the last couple of months, you know, the impactors of the bench have really helped us, give us give us, um, give us, us an impetus when they came on. Whereas I think in this game, it, it kind of took the sting out of the game. Um, we were, we looked like we were going to score and then the subs had and then it didn't, it, didn't, it just didn't materialise. It actually got worse, in my opinion. We lacked, we lacked, um, like more attacking coherency, so I think you know there's lessons to be learned from that. Um, I think Atta is probably looking at some of the things that you can tweak and maybe we can do better. And, and we we can we can look positively into the next couple of weeks. Um, with, with rumors of Partey coming back with ESR on our back, so hopefully these guys can actually be contributors, can be impactors. Um, I think Brighton is more of a tricky game than people are maybe realizing. Um, whilst they've not been in the best form and they've lost key players and stuff, I'm a bit not not worried, but I'm I'm a bit concerned about that game because they're going to come to play, and maybe it's actually something that we haven't faced as much anymore. So it's the same as Villa; they're caught, they're caught as cold because they came to play. We're used to teams not coming to play anymore. Um, so I think that the, the the intensity that we start games with is different to last year. We expected teams to first last year and you know, batter them in the in the first thirty minutes. Um, and now it's it's like the opposite. They don't want to play. Um, and Villa was one of the few teams that did. And then they caught, caught us cold. So let's see. I think Brighton are not as good as Villa right now. Um, and we are home. So I'm expecting I'm expecting a win to be honest. But I don't think that's that's a, that's a walk over that game. Um, so yeah. 
Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree too much with any of your assertions. I think, um, to your point, especially, the overall performance wasn't bad, especially in the first half. We created loads of loads of openings. I think our final pass um, was was uncharacteristically off and, and I'd labelled that a lot most of the attackers. I, I really don't think the attackers performed um, to their level, to the right level on the day. So that is something which is going to need to be addressed going forward. Um, I know we were talking about Martinelli during the game and I felt that um, whilst he didn't have his best game in terms of impact in the final third, he was regularly getting in behind. Like Villa put... They play a high line, but not with a lot of pressure. Do you know what I mean? So there was a lot of space in behind, especially early on. And Martinelli kept getting in behind. But I think his fight, he was probably one of the worst in terms of his final ball letting him down. Um, so, I, you know, hopefully that's that's something which he can look to, you know, tweak and, and, and improve on. I, I didn't think Saka was great. Maybe Jesus wasn't great as well. Um, so I don't know if it was down to fatigue or just, just being a bit off. Um in general on the game but that said like I said I don't think it can be the amount of positions we worked ourselves into I just think we were careless and we were very sloppy um in the final third and I think the one major chance that that Villa had they punished us for it and unfortunately you know uh as you get to the top five margins are, are what can define some of these games like do you know what I mean if that game was nil nil for longer I think it might have been us that might have gone on to win it but it is what it is. Like it's a long thirty-eight game season. You're not going to win them all. There's going to be games where you have blips, you drop points. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm not too despondent with that. I think the main thing during this Christmas period, especially, is just to make sure that we're still picking up points. And because we've got seven seven league games this month, I think we've now won two, lost one. So it's just to make sure that we're in and around the title. Uh, picture come the new year if you're within a couple points that's a fine place to be it's not really an issue so you know whilst it was annoying to to not win and obviously we have our standards that we want to win as much as possible it's not the end of the world you know what i mean so um as long as we can brush it off and and we can go again um to your point with brighton coming this weekend i'm very worried about brighton because brighton have fast become one of our bogey teams in recent years i think they won at the emirates alone like three times in the last five years they packed us in Last year, 3-0 at the Emirates towards the end of the season. Obviously, um, I think we had given up at that point. But still, they cause us a lot of issues, uh, Brighton. They do. I, I think they're, you know, in football, you just have certain teams that seem to have your number a bit. And Brighton seem to become one of those teams over the last few years. Like you said, De Zerbi is going to, you know, they're going to come and play. Um, what, what might work in our favour is that they have Europa on Thursday. And I think they've got quite a few injuries. So, you know, that Thursday, Sunday schedule, um, which obviously we've experienced, it can, it can be hard to manage. And I think Brighton have got a few injuries. Now I saw Ansu Fati's down. Um, you know, they've, they've got a few players missing. So so let, let's let's see how they, how they deal with it, how they balance it. But no doubt, regardless of who Brighton play, it feels like they can change their 11 and they still play the same way every week, which is obviously a really good sign of good coaching. Um, so, um, yeah... Worry, apprehensive, I'd say, about this fixture. I don't think it's going to be easy at all, Brighton at home this weekend. Like I said, hopefully what works in our favour is that we played on Tuesday. The game isn't until Sunday, so there's five days in between that. And then we have another week's rest before Anfield uh, next weekend. So hopefully these periods can help uh, bring back players. You mentioned ESR, um, you know, and, and hopefully party will be back soon as well. So, so yeah, fingers, fingers crossed on that front. Um all right, let's let's touch quickly on on what happened in midweek. We um, drew one one with PSV. Arteta made eight changes. Um, there's been a bit of furor, a bit of backlash online. People are saying that you know Arteta could have given one or two younger players a chance, and and I'm there as well. It would have been nice to have seen a couple of the the young G's, especially when you saw what happened with City um, and and their young G's that came in. Um, but I mean, overall, it's not it's, it's not a big crisis. It's just unfortunate in what it is. I think Arteta spoke about. He said that he felt it wasn't the right time. There were some injuries, um, which which, and then obviously they wanted to give ESR minutes as well. So said it impacted some of them. But you know, Cedric Elneny, really, do we need to see them that much? How, how, what's what's your overall take on? Um, yes, the what we saw on Wednesday and and. Maybe Arteta's, you know, he, he doesn't have 
you know, he's, he's not proposed to to give youth players chances based on what we've seen so far in his time here. Yeah, I think um, I didn't expect any of the young boys to start apart from maybe Walters. Only reason I kind of expected him to start is because there was a few journals coming out saying he would start and then he didn't. So, um, you know, the information is not good. But um, I didn't really expect him to start. And I said before the game, um, I don't think we, we, we're in a position to throw any Premier League or Champions League games. And I mean, Premier League, you know, there's even more attention than ever before on those games for us. But, um, you know, you know, Champions League also, I know technically a dead rubber game. Um, I just don't believe we should be approaching these games like, yeah, they don't matter. They don't matter. It's not the Europa League. I, I really cared about, didn't care about the Europa League like that. I didn't care about the League Cup. I don't care about the League Cup like that. But the two competitions that I do care about, where I feel like maybe not the, I say maybe not, it shouldn't be the first 11 playing. I did think Saliba Gabriel was a bit extreme. I think it should have been one of the two. I think Saliba has played a lot of games. So he would have been one of the players I'd have taken out, actually. And I think, um, I don't like, I don't really like Cedric and Elneny getting minutes, but um, to play devil's advocate, I understand the reasoning. Um, if there's someone going down, we're not going to just fall waters in. Um, over the Christmas period, um, with a heavy schedule, you know, games coming thick and fast. You got he's going to rely on the more experienced players, especially in this in this time of the year. Um, so you know, getting them a run around is probably to get them up to scratch a little bit. Um, what I didn't like is that you know none of the young boys made an appearance off the bench. Um, for me, unjustifiable really because um, the game is not lost, the game is not won. It's a draw. You know, you can give these guys an, a platform, an opportunity in the last 10, last 15, last 20 minutes to show something. Um, I feel, I felt like Trusser played really badly in that game. Um, he was one of the obvious subs for me to take out. I think this is the type of game where I understand why someone like Nelson should play 90 minutes because he doesn't really get the minutes. Someone like Eddie should play. Do you know what I mean? These guys got to play. So I don't think the youngsters should have been playing over the, over those guys. But like if someone like Trusser doesn't play well, take him off. You know, play the young, play the young G. Havertz plays a lot of minutes as well, um, you know, so he could he could have come off, you know, earlier or seventieth minutes, something like that. I mean, I think there could have been the scope for him to do that. He decided not to do it, um, but I think that the outrage is a bit, you know, too much. Um, when you really look at the ages of these guys, um, I think only Walter, Waterson's, um, what's the, the left back's name, Lino Sosa, that both of them are eighteen, um, so. Those are closer to maybe becoming regulars, and I, and I know age is just a number. Um, and you're looking at the ability of the player, but you know, Luis Skelly wasn't in the team, um, and the squads, and and um, and Ranieri is 16, so there's not really a, a urging matter for him for for that 16 year old to play. He's going to get another opportunity to play, whether that is this season, which I would like, or next season <laughs> when he's 17. <laughs> Like time is not running out for him. That's what that's the, the point with him, and he's got recently a new contract. I think the only one where we can really say we've we've missed it is with Waters because his contract is running out, etc., etc. It should have been it should have been an opportunity to you know, to give him that platform, give him that nice moment. Um, that's that's all. I think we we don't need to overdo it. I saw people sharing um Man, Man City's team. Um, with Oscar Bob and stuff like that playing now, these guys are older than you know, and Waniri, um, Sousa and uh, Walters. Those are twenty year olds you're showing me. I think the one guy was eighteen. It was a Michael Hamilton that ended up scoring as well. Um, but you know, what I mean, you know, when 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 t when the opportunity comes, it comes. You know, Ateta Ateta does have a bit of a propensity to be a bit of a like I'm gonna show you what you can get, and I'm not gonna give it to you now. I've seen I've seen him do that a few times. And it's part of what, what makes people annoyed with him, which I get, but it's also part of what kind of makes him good. Um, so it's give and take, really, and it's not that big of an issue for me, um, to be honest, um, even though I would have liked to see all of them play, to be honest. Yeah, and, and, and just to give a bit of a, an alternative view, like one thing people got to remember is that it's a lot easier to blood youngsters in when you're... Like when we were baking off in eighth... Like we had nothing to play for in it. So it's a lot easier to give Saka, ESR, Martinelli the keys because you can afford to have them making mistakes because 
we're not really going to get any lower than eighth anyway. So we're not going to, we're not missing out on anything. Do you know what I mean? By blooding them in, giving them, giving them the opportunity to make mistakes. When you're trying to compete on all fronts for the major titles, the margin for error is a lot finer. Do you know what I mean? So, and what people do need to remember from an alternative view is that we basically already have the youngest squad in the league anyway. Do you know what I mean? So we're being spearheaded with Martinelli and Saka, Saliba, you know, I think I saw, I think, was it the Wolves game? I think everyone that started apart from Trossard was under 20, like six. So, do you know what I mean? So we already have a young team, like, do you know what I mean? So, and then to compound it by bringing in more youngsters, you, you have to be a bit wary at times, do you know what I mean? So unless they're exceptional to the point where you think, do you know what I mean? Our level's not going to drop by including them. I'm, I'm understanding to, you know, the fact, and like you said, like Nwaneri, I'm really excited to see him. But at the same time, He's 16. Like there, there are very few anomalies of 16-year-olds who play meaningful, consistent first minutes. Like people will reference Fabregas and Rooney, but you know, those are close to generational talents for that age. Do you know what I mean? So Rooney literally came on. Like I remember as a sub against Arsenal in 2002, he looked like a grown-ass man and he was packing it top bins from 30 yards. I'm like, that's not normal. Do you know what I mean? It's not normal what he was doing for his age. And Fabregas, you put him in amongst grown men at 16 and he was the best player on the pitch. That isn't normal, do you know what I mean? So, you know, and, and just as much as you might have a situation like that, you're more likely to have a lot of those who are going to swim, I mean, sink rather than swim, do you know what I mean, in that situation. So it's one to watch. Um, I, I do, I am a bit disappointed. I would like to see some more youngsters integrated, but at the same time, I think it's a bit, it's a bit counterproductive to say, I want to compete on all fronts, but at the same time, we should be integrating loads of youngsters at the same time, you know. Um, it's, you know, because even though people reference City, you've got to look at... So Rico Lewis was one who was blooded in last season by Pep, yeah? But look when it came to crunch time in the running. That brother did not play. He like he legit, he didn't play. Pep didn't play him. Um, so he played him earlier on in the season when they were stuttering a bit. But when it, get, when it came to game time, down in the crunch of the season, he didn't figure much. So, um, so let's see, let's watch. Um, but yeah, hopefully there are some. I think Wanneri and Lewis Skelly, especially, I think they're very big, big talents. Um, so... Their integration will need to be managed carefully, and I, and I hope to start seeing them. Like you said, if it's not this season, then then from next season onwards at the age of seventeen. So, so let's see, let's see. Um, one brother I wanted to talk about you, you referenced him earlier on was Trossard. Now, uh, Trossard is such a weird player because we've spoken loads in the group about how this guy's cash money in the final third, his shooting off either foot is good, his final ball is actually quite decent as well. So. He seems to make a lot of the right decisions in the final third. He even nearly won us the game late on here in this game as well. But a lot of the time, he can, in my opinion, flatter to deceive. I find his play quite frustrating. Um, I'm quite frustrated with Arteta because, in my opinion, Trossard is not a touchline winger. We ask our wingers to get chalk on their boots um, and stretch the play. But that isn't Trossard because he doesn't have that level of athleticism to stretch teams out wide. He always wants to come in. He wants to be more of a combination player. So I've always thought his better performances have come for us as, you know, either as a, as a false nine or as a bit more of a, um, a left eight. You know, I think the last central start he had was against Wolves um, at home, actually. We played quite well that game. So how do you, do you weigh it up? Because for me, people need to remember that we only signed this guy as an alternative because we didn't get Mudrick. Mudrick was essentially what Arteta wanted. That was another touchline winger who would continue our dynamics, even though obviously he's very, very raw. But you could see, you know, Mudrick, you could see how he fitted our game model a bit more than Trossard. And it, it, I can see why people would be a bit like, well, look at his end products. And it's true. He's already scored, I think, like five, six goals this season. So Trossard always has very good end products. But in terms of elevating our overall game, sometimes I think he leaves a lot to be desired. What do you think? I agree. And I've been, I've been kind of... Um highlighting that I feel like a lot of times his performances leave a lot to be desired. Um but he can um he can mask it up pretty well um with end product. So I feel like because we're doing the ratings um every 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 game week, right? And then you know the ratings are going to be um judged by your overall performance actions in the game and then also if those actions have led to a goal or assist, you know, it's outcome bias in the end. So and we're trying to not skew it too far to say you play bad, you score two goals, you get in the eight or nine. You, you we're, we're going to deduct points for that, right? And then you you watch the games more closely anyway. 
because of the way you want to write and you want to be you know objective in your writing and then you've seen like this guy is a lot of the actions are not not great um and 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 a lot of the games actually um i think like he does have that ability to decide games that's undoubted and you know he, he can decide the a game in the blink of an eye he can do something um, that you can't really predict. You can shoot either foot. You can have a fantastic finish of weak foot. Do you know what I mean? He can do these type of things, but then his oval game sometimes doesn't impress me, to be honest. Um, and it's it's not just offensively. Um, I think he does have some. You know, he's got a great touch. He's great in tight spaces at times. But then I think you know, children protecting the ball. He's very easily like robbed off the ball. Um, um, I don't think he's good in the first or second phase. Um, whilst he has quick feet, I think when people get too close to him, he been um, he he does get dispossessed off the ball, uh, and 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 it, it leads to a quick attack for the um, for the opposing team. So a lot, as you said, yeah, a lot of times he, he, he doesn't protect phase, the ball that well. I don't think so. He's yeah. in trouble first and second phase. But when the, when when there's pressure on him, I, I'm a bit worried. Um, so in the final third, as we said, he he got the abilities. Um, but I think, as as you kind of mentioned, I think it's probably a case of we we bought him because he's a good player fundamentally, and um, an alternative to what we were going for. The alternative that we were going for is someone that is has got the skill set to be a touch line winger, um, and I think at times I is still trying to ask Trusher to do certain things as a touch line winger. He probably I say he knows that he's not going to be able to do it to the same degree, same level of Martinelli. Um, as a touchdown winger in particular, but he, he needs him to do so, some of these things in order for other things in the team and the system to work because it's all you know connected. So we can't just you know I, I think we could, but we would require other adjustments. We could have Trusser come inside and play close to the striker, but the way the system is built and engineered right now is that we need him out there to create the space inside for Havertz for for the striker for Jesus. Um, so. And Jenchenko as well, which is why the touchdown winger is so far left, um, uh, the left winger, um, because Jenchenko is in that space as well. So, you know, I think it's a positional thing with him at times. Um, I'm, I'm not, I'm this, uh, you know, not satisfied with with him as a player because I think he's a good player and he can and help us win games. But I just, I won't be shouting for him to start over any of the starters when they're on his fit. And I think over the year, over this year, it's been clearly established that he's he's not as good as the guys that start, um, in my opinion. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't, I, I really don't disagree too much. Um, yeah, I'm with you on that. Let's um, let's pivot. Obviously, we, we we've spoken about um, we've spoken about Brighton's danger earlier on, but I want to rehome into it just before we go into some listeners' questions. Um, this week, where do you think the game will be won and lost um, against Brighton? Where are their dangers and, and how do you think we can potentially counteract it? It will be won and lost in the press. You know, the press. Um, Brighton being able to press us, potentially, or us being able to press Brighton because they're going to invite the pressure. That's what that's how they play. They want us to invite the pressure. Um, if we're able to catch them, we should be able to penalise them. If we are not, then they are going to move for our thirds and probably get into good situations. I think I think that's going to be the key: the press and you know the counter press. Um, those those two elements are going to be really key. Um, Deserve is one of those managers that he invites the press to create the space, and uh, at times like he he like he looks for you in build up to get you in certain areas so you're trapped um, and force those errors that are uncharacteristic of certain players. So I think Zinchenko, you know, I love that guy. He's a top player, in my opinion. He needs to be really on his operation speed this game. Like, no dilly-dallying. I need two, three touches and move that. Because if you take another, then you're like, you know, they start coming like hyenas, start, you know, start robbing you off the ball and stuff. Hmm. I need to, I need him to be on his operation speed. Um, and I think he, he could be one of the keys because he's the one that plays through the press. When Partey's not there, it's, it's Zinchenko. Um, I think Udegaard got the capabilities at times, mm. but when they when he's under pressure from an African man, he's he's in a lot of trouble. So <laughs> <laughs> he's in a lot of trouble. So I'm saying I'm gonna need some, my boy. Yeah, I, I mean, so that's an interesting point because because Udegaard's been played deeper of recent. We've seen in the last few games he's almost been next to Rice in build up, which has probably 
been a factor in us leading to, you know, improved chance creation and improved ball progression um, in the final third. Would you keep that for this game? Or knowing how Brighton pressed, would you want to station Erdegaard higher up or, or is that for Havertz? I think Erdegaard has to, we have to force him to play. Mm. Like, I feel like in, in some of these games where he has been higher up, he was able to just like, oh yeah, I'm not really involved. Mm. Nah, bro. Come deep and get the ball. <laughs> Come deep and get the ball. Even if they're beating you. I'm... <laughs> Come deep and make the play happen. I, I think yeah. I think we need to persist with that. And he's mm -hmm. clearly he's much better than Havers in those areas, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Um, and we, we are we are probably going to utilize the long ball to Havertz a couple of times, mm -hmm. trying to play off Havertz. And um, to beat that Brighton press at times, pay over the press so, as well. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting because as, as much as we're talking about Brighton's pressing, Brighton do also leave a lot of gaps. So right. I think, like you said, it comes back to the the bit about operation speed. If Zinchenko and Erdogan are swift with their actions in the first second phase, you can find gaps and get in behind and yeah. be running at Brighton's back four quite easily. Um, I've seen it quite a few times. So. Um, but that's if you can beat it. You know, if, if Brighton force turnovers, then you're in trouble. So I think a lot of it will be about who can get each other's game off quicker. Um, yeah. And no. this is why I mentioned Zinchenko, because in the Villa game, you know, Havertz made this run and behind a lot mm. of times. And Zinchenko yeah, yeah. didn't play it for yeah, yeah, a few yeah. occasions. Then he played it once. Yeah. And I played it back to Udegaard, and that was one yeah. of the big chances that we've missed. Yeah. So yeah. just play the pass. If it's on... You do it yeah, quickly. It's, it's interesting because obviously we're so used to low blocks that sometimes we don't always like that early ball play it. Like, like you know, City, if Ireland's running, they're gonna put they're gonna play that ball. Do you know what I mean? So and when you've got speedy attackers, the owner play it. Do you know what I mean? So it's an easy, easier route to go. We don't always need to construct 150 passes to be able to get through in the final first. Sometimes where just one ball over the top. So yeah, yeah. Um so let's see, man. Let's see. Let's see. Um, I was going to ask about ESR, but I'll, I'll I'll leave that because obviously he's only just come back. Um, let's do let's do some some quick uh, listeners' questions to wrap up. Um, we have a question from okay. There's a couple of people have asked. Baitface Nate and um, Yonko Abs have both asked similar questions. Um, as I didn't touch on this, um, what team would you like us to face most, or would you fear us getting most? In the next round of the Champions League, so and Yonko Abs is similar. We know what teams we could get, um, but which ones would you like to potentially avoid? So just to give you the list, our potential last sixteen opponents are Copenhagen, PSG, Leipzig, Inter Milan, Lazio, Napoli, or Porto. So from my perspective, I'm trying to get the easiest straw, brother. <laughs> Listen. Uh, uh, listen, people are talking about. I don't even know where Arsenal fans' confidence is based on. They're talking about drawing Inter Milan, big man. I don't really want to have to play Inter Milan right now. Do you know what I mean? At all, bro. Um, I'm, I'm good with them, bro. Give me a Copenhagen, give me a Porto, uh, give me a Lazio. Yeah, th those, those are the three. I don't um, even want Lazio. Do you know why? Because like when Dagwanduzi Dagger is gonna, <laughs> gonna the move. That could turn us to oh boy. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I feel like we're faster and strong. We've got a lot of attributes over a Lazio. Like they're a decent footballing team, but there's not much PMP there. They're not as athletic as we are. So I think we could. And it's a Sarri team. I hear, I hear it's a Sarri it. Yeah, team. Yeah. They leave a lot of gaps as well. So um, I think we would win. But I'm looking at the. I feel like someone like Sarri could cook something up in one game. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to be worried about the second game, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I want to play Copenhagen at home, slap them 4 0. And when they were playing the same day, no, I just want, I'd like to. I think, first of all, all the game, all the, all the teams in the Champions League are going to be um, interesting to face, I should say. I shouldn't say easy, I shouldn't say tough as well, because I feel like just the way they play, they actually give us a bit more space than teams in the Premier League. Mm -hmm. But the, a lot, you know, all the teams are there for a reason. You know, Copenhagen did dump United out of their group. They did dumb Galatasaray out of the group. Whilst I think we will beat them, we should also not underestimate any of the teams, to be really honest. Um, and I think we could get a draw when people are like, yes, jubilant off the draw. I remember Monaco. And then boy, <laughs> slap diets. Boy, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be real humble. But when we win, I'm gonna talk a lot of shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that, that's it. You know, we've been away from the Champions League for seven seasons, and obviously um it feeds into a question from SOS. 
HGN here, which he says, are you surprised at how easily we made the group stage look? Um, I am. Yeah, yes, yes, to an extent. Although, to be honest, we always used to qualify with Wenger. So it's not, it's, it's more just, yeah, we've been out for a while. So, um, yeah, it was good that we made it look so easy in the end. Um, but, yeah, the knockouts, this is serious stuff, bro. I'm not looking to, like, for example, some of that PSG, they have not looked good anytime I've watched them this season. However, they have the potential to crash it on you at any given point. Bro, I watched a couple of PSG games. I, I swear to you, Kulungwani has been horrible in yeah, every yeah. single one. Yeah, and yeah. Ju just the way the cookie crumbles, I would not be surprised. First Champions League knockout game, that boy hooping. Like, yeah. like, and Bandit against us. <laughs> it's, it's true. It, you know what it is? It was always like on Football Manager when like one brother's not done anything for the whole season. They bagged their first goal of the season against you yeah. in March. You're like, come on, man. <laughs> Ah, that's going to be Hoyland, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, bro. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. And we've seen it, boy. Arsenal have given careers to so many people, bro. Wow. So, yeah, PSG, I don't think they're that great and you can hurt them, but they can also hurt you. You know, that, like, put it this way, Dembele has stunk this season. I think Barcola is a decent talent, but he hasn't cooked yet. Um, obviously, same with Mouani, and obviously they've got Mbappe. So that attack hasn't cooked yet, but that's the sort of attack that... <laughs> Brother, on any given day, <laughs> yeah, that could finish you. So, PSG, no, thank you. I don't really want to draw them. Uh, Leipzig, Leipzig is an interesting team because I think they're good. I think they've got a lot of dangerous players. One of like, these have... teams I don't really want to face as well. Not yeah, right yeah. now. I want, I want, give me something easier, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I said Copenhagen or Porto for me is, is what I'm looking at. Like, when I'm looking at the list, um, Napoli are nowhere near as good as last season. To be fair, they've stunk it out quite a bit. Ever since um, Spalletti left, I think half of that squad want to go. They want to mm. leave. They're not really invested as much. However, again, it's one of those on any given yeah. day, you go to Naples, you can yeah. get that block spun on you, boy, if you're not careful. Yeah. So yeah. they're not great. I could take it, but I'd rather avoid it if possible. <laughs> okay, let me ask you a question. Like From those teams, yeah, we, we we know we want the easier one, like yeah. that's that's out of the question, yeah. Mm -hmm. But if there's one team that you could pick as like a grudge match, like which one would you pick? Because like you you getting you getting to dunk on someone. <laughs> who do I get to? I don't know anyone who supports any of these teams. Who do I get to dunk on? Boy, who, who are you trying to dunk on? Boy, you I know. Mean, do, you know what? I've, I've got I've got, I've got an you know with Inter, yeah. I don't know why I've got an irrational dislike for Lautaro Martinez. I've never liked him. You know? <laughs> I don't know why I don't, know. I don't like him. Actually, I don't like Denzel Dumfries either. I don't mm. like him. Um, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even know why. Inter have never done anything to me, you know. I just don't like them. <laughs> but I think growing up watching Serie A, I always tended to prefer AC Milan over mm. like Inter or like Juve. So that that's probably why. Um, so, yeah. It, yeah, so Inter. Uh, yeah, I think Inter would be who I'd like to dunk on most. I don't really have anything against PSG. I like PSG. I, I'll be real with you on the start like of the PSG, list. Man. I'm not I'm really I'm like PSG. I'm picking Napoli. I want Cavascalia in a pack. Oh, do you know what? Yes. So I can dunk on Shabs in the group chat. Mm, that's right. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bring, bring, bring. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind dunking on I wouldn't mind dunking on Napoli. Generally, it's funny because there's three, all three Italian teams so obviously that qualified, they all finished second in their group because Inter Milan finished second behind Sociedad, which was interesting. Um, oh, right. okay. But we've always had, funnily enough, you know, sometimes we always talk about styles make fights and Arsenal have always historically tended to match up quite well against Italian teams. I don't really know why, but, um, and I don't know if that would continue, but yeah, yeah, I don't I'm, know. I don't know. You were slapping up, my, um, was it Nesta? He was slapping them up. Yeah, man. yeah, when we won away to AC Milan, um, and obviously, we all remember the 5-1 away to Inter as well. I don't even know why. Like you said, we, we beat Roma. As well. we, seem, we do seem to have a decent record against Italian teams. Um, I even remember Ozil's first Champions League game at home to Napoli. Crucified them. So, yeah. Um, so, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. But I want Copenhagen or Porto. I'll be real. Give me one of them too, bro. Give, give, me, give, me, give me one of them too. That's, that's, that's what I'm looking, yeah, that's what I'm looking to get. Uh, SOS HGN also asked, is 100 lashings enough for the attackers after Villa? <laughs> I mean, 
yeah, they, they, they stunk. So they better rise it for Brighton. I don't want none of those, especially there's going to be space to be had. So I need you, man, to eat against Brighton. Come correct. Um, doo -doo 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 -doo. Okay, this is an interesting one. Um, Sam E underscore 91 says, with Arteta looking like he could use Rice at centre-back later in the season, could Rice stand to have a similar impact from that position? If so, or if not, what would the midfield look like? And he says, also, what games could we get away with Rice playing at centre-back? So I think Rice would be a calm centre-back, bearing in mind that's where he started his career. However, we did not spend 100 mil on the brother to be playing him at centre-back. Let's be honest. We, If we need to do that, go and buy a defender in Jan. And to be fair, I think we do need to do that because I'm worried about some of these guys and, and you know, I still see Saliba as a potential point of failure. So, um, but to your question, I don't want to move Rice from, from midfield. You know, what we should be looking to do if that Ghanaian brother can get fit for the second half of the season, especially, you know, when we're talking about these Champions League knockout, you know, we're talking about away games. If you could line up party Rice Erdogan away from home in the Champions League, I'd, I'd be confident about going to most places with that midfield. Do you know what I mean? So, um so, yeah, I think if it was an emergency, cool, you could do it. But generally, I think we lose far too much athleticism when Rice comes out of that midfield. And we saw that, what that happened against Spurs when Jorginho had to replace him in halftime. Um, and we had, you know, it was very, it was a very lightweight midfield. So for me, yeah, no, thank you. It's, it's not something I'd like to see unless it's an emergency or unless it's maybe like we're going for a game late on and you, you like just say drop Rice deeper get another attacker on or something like that. Do you know what I mean? So, Yeah, I don't. I, I think it's just, um, I, I look, it's looking at, you know, looking if there's another layer that we can use him for and in, in, in some sort of scenario. I don't think it's a, it's a primary option. I think it's more like, oh yeah, third, fourth option. You know, this, this guy's down, this guy needs to rest. We can play him here. Partey's back. Um, mm. You know, I yeah, think true, it's, it's true. flexibility. Mm -hmm. So, you know, could play center back one game, party in the field. So, it gives us flexibility, but I don't think it's something that he's um, he's built the team on. And we didn't buy Rice to play that position. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, um, we didn't plan so to play them. It's just, it's just a backup plan, I think. Um, mm -hmm. Because I think, you know, I was thinking, oh, is he doing that to, you know, copy the PAP system from last year? But I was thinking, we don't really do that. We play differently. And also, you know, we, we, I think once Tommy Yasuo is back, he will play a prominent role again. Um, mm -hmm. So he's kind of the physicality that that um, Atat likes to add, or the defensive still that Atat likes to add in like tougher games. Mm -hmm. Rather than putting Rice centre back, he'll just mm -hmm. have Tommy yesterday and Serge Janchenko or Tommy yesterday mm -hmm. and Serge White. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah, no good. Um, Twelve Play UK asks: With all these missed chances and small margins. Do you think it's time to get a serious striker rather than relying on Jesus and Nketiah? If so, who? I mean, obviously, we speak about this pretty much every week. However, every day, I, 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 huh? Every day, my bro. Yeah, bro. Every, every day in the group chat, believe me, it's, a, it's, it's the main topic of discussion. However, I've almost done a 180 to the point where I... The way our attack is constructed currently, unless we're going to have a massive change... I don't want to just go and buy a nine, like a box nine, you know. I like how our attack looks when Jesus plays. And obviously, I get all the concerns and I'm there with Jesus's, you know, being a, a mid-finisher. However, I've seen enough of our attack without Jesus to not like it too tough. Do you know what I mean? So it would have to be, for me, someone who's just a bit of an all-rounder, you know, or who can drop in, who can link, who does facilitate the wide options because... As much as historically, uh, I do like Osimhen. I just, I, I don't see, for example, how Osimhen and Martinelli work. I just don't, I, I don't see it. Do you know what I mean? So, and, and we're talking about, we've spoken about in games sometimes how, you know, uh, Martinelli and Havertz, for example, don't have a connection, or Martinelli and Eddie don't really have much chemistry. Um, so, I, I think whenever you're looking to construct an attack, it, it, it's what you're, what you're forcing others to do as a result. Like, for example, if you were to get like a nine like Osimhen who is who just wants to score and doesn't do much else, then you're going to have to have more of a creative eight. But then you've just spent 65 mil on Havertz. Do you know what I mean? To play almost as a second striker in, in possession, right? Do you know what I mean? So, and then what does that do? That reduces Martinelli to like a creative winger. And I don't really feel that is Martinelli's game. We still have these conversations regularly about Martinelli being more of an inside forward, right? And, and, how can we get him closer to goal? He scored two goals in 15 so far this season, which isn't good enough when we know that 
on paper, Martinelli's arguably the best finisher in the Arsenal squad, but he's not finding himself in loads of goal scoring positions. Um, so, so what in your, in your, so I'm not going to say, I'm not going to talk about striker because we can, we've spoken about it loads of times, but in your ideal mind, what does an ideal attack look like? Are you happy with how it is with Jesus facilitating both Martinelli and Saka when they come in off the wide areas and make runs in behind? Or do you think that Saka and Martinelli's role should be changed to be purely creators for a nine? Similar to, you know, how City evolved and a lot of their play is built around Harlan getting most of the chances now. What 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 would you say? What does that look like for you? For me, I prefer current iteration. Simply yeah. because City, you know, what City went to is because they got the most the best nine in world football. Yeah. You know, that that the guy with the highest scoring potential, they're showing it as well in the Bundesliga, in the Champions League, scoring a you know, goal a game. That's the ratio he's been he's been he's been shooting at since he's stepped foot into 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 some of the bigger leagues. He's not he's not slowed down, he's not stopped. Um, he's not had blips where you're like, oh, he's, he's gone 10 games. It doesn't happen for Harden like that. He'll miss big chances and he'll score three next game or something stupid. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of, I don't, I don't really like the fact that you're going to have four or five men working for one man if that one man is not an elite shooter. So, and, and I've said to you before, I'm not convinced Usherman is an elite shooter. I think he's a, he's a, he's a very good goal scorer. Mm-hmm. Um, his numbers are pretty good in, in Italy. Um, but they're also not outrageous, in my opinion. Mm. They're good, but not outrageous. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I think he has more scoring potential, to be honest. But mm. Napoli did create tons, tons of chances and situations mm. when he when he had that season, when they won that league. And he mm. was crucial for that. But I don't think that's going to get us over, over mm-hmm. Manchester City. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I feel like we need more goals as a unit to get mm-hmm. that, make that gap up. Yeah, and, and it's kind of where I've moved to overall. Like, I'm kind of of the opinion is like, why do we have to have one nine that scores the majority of our goals? Like last season, we scored the most league goals we ever did in a Premier League campaign. And we had four guys who got 10 or more in the league. Like, And I just think that made us a more unpredictable outfit overall, yeah. rather than just focusing on creating for a specific nine. Because that's spe- like I said, that specific nine forces other players to do something different. You know, like there's a Havertz and Ossiman front two work well on paper. I'm not necessarily convinced it does either um it's probably a big aerial threat against low blocks potentially yes but overall does that give us enough is that does that elevate us enough i'm not 100 convinced um you know but you know quick one if, if you know when we first signed martinelli under emery we saw him at nine and he clapped at nine um there are still some people who would like to see martinelli at nine because we've spoken about him getting most of the chance, like him, us wanting him to get in more chances and maybe having more of a traditional touchline winger, like, you know, how we wanted, obviously, with Mudrick. Um, how does that look to you? And how does that potentially affect the dynamic of others, like I've spoken about with, with Havertz, potentially, as well? As in, like, if a touchline winger improves or helps him, you think? Yeah, yeah. So if we were, just argument sake, I'm not saying by him, but, like, say, like, a winger like Liao... You moved Martinelli to nine, for example, and then it was, you know, how, how does that look for you? What does that look like on paper? What what are the potential positives or potential drawbacks by having that sort of approach? I can see that type of um, evolution more than, you know, going for this one goal scorer. Um, mm-hmm. I, I can see that more Martinelli moving to nine at some point. And I remember very early we had this session, everyone was saying, or not everyone, but many were saying, he's just a nine, he don't play him on the wing. I was like, he might need to play on the wing in order mm-hmm. to become a better overall nine. football player and then yeah. become a better number nine. So Wenger used to do that a lot, give players, yeah. you know, apprenticeships out exactly. wide before before moving them central. You know, Van Persie had it, he did it with Bentner a bit as well. Like it's 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 not uncommon, you know. Omri yeah. started as a winger before we moved into nine for us as yeah, well. I mean, so there's, there's many examples. So young's a common, it's not gonna it's not gonna hurt him um mm-hmm. in this development. So I can see that potentially, but um, because the the market for wingers, in my opinion, is a lot wider, a lot more options, a lot more value for money you can get as well. Um, so I wouldn't be I wouldn't be against that. I think um, it's just I, what what I wonder is that you know I say I wonder I know he's not going to have the footballing capabilities that um, Gabriel um, Jesus has, Martinelli, mm-hmm. 
but he's going to be way more clinical. And if he finds himself in more goal scoring um, situations, opportunities, he will score. Like we've seen a, a scoring potential. Um, he's good in the air as well, actually, very underrated in the air because he actually is not in the box a lot anymore. Um, we don't see it as much because he's, he's the one passing it into the box or helping the ball get into the box. Um, and then, you know, usually shooting from like, um, you know, areas where you can't have the ball. <laughs> he's running in on goal or he's been played in. He's not, do you know what I mean? If he was in the box, I would, I think, or I'd play from, from that man position, I think we would see him in a lot of heading opportunities and he's quite mm-hmm. good with it. It's quite good in the air, yeah, yeah. yeah he's, he, Martinelli's over six foot as well. He's he's a, he's a big forward, so um... yeah, I, th- I think he has potential, and he he, he can, you know, he, he I think he has a good touch, uh, mm. and he can, you know, take around a defender really quickly and, and go straight to goal. Mm. And we've seen that thing, so I think he has potential in that position. Um, I think at some point I wouldn't be against us trying Martinelli up top and Jesus on the left. You know, I think that's mm. like a a subtle switch you could do in certain games to see how, I, I, how that I guess, I guess some people would say they do that anyway, right? Because they rotate a lot in games, generally Martinelli and Jesus. They do. So um... They do do that, yeah. But then as a fixed position, because mm-hmm. when Jesus does it, it's like, oh yeah, I feel like the space is coming here or I can create space here. Mm. Rather than like making it fixed, like you're, you, this is your position now and Martinelli's playing here in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm more, I'm more, I'm more leaning towards Buying another wide forward, um, striker right now. That's yeah. I, I, I'm more of that opinion. That's what I would potentially do. I, I would really look into doing that, you know. Um, and obviously, I don't know. So, and we'll lead, we'll use that to lead into our last listener's question, which is from underscore M four seven nine. He says, if you could sign one defender, one midfielder, one forward in the next two windows, who would they be, and which window? Uh, I think the forward can probably wait till summer. I would do a defender. I don't know. I, I, honestly, I don't know. But it would be someone who could play as a centre-back and a, another centre-back sort of right-back hybrid for me. Um, hmm. See, I, I, I said this on the last pod, I think. I said to you, um, Dr. Lee, I said, yeah, I think we, sh- we should do the Polinia thing, man. Yeah. Because, because I feel like, you know, El Nenny and Jorginho, they can get fist up. Yeah, I, yeah well, El Nenny's going in the summer. Jorginho could potentially go in the summer unless they trigger an extension for a year. So regardless, we're going to sign a midfielder in the summer regardless because mm. potentially party might also Ooh, go. Exactly. Yeah, so there's you, you, there's potentially three midfielders going, right? So um, so maybe that opens space for another or maybe a youth promotion. I don't know. I don't know what, what that looks like, but yeah. Yeah, I, f- I, f- I feel like because, you know, he's trying Bryce as centre-back, you know, is that maybe like you know forecasting for if there's if there's injuries we're playing Rice centre back Pelinia in the six like I feel like we, that's the type of signing we could make because Rice gives us flexibility mm-hmm. that we just sign in the midfielder and Rice covers centre back and we sign in another midfielder and trying to take this opportunity before more clubs come for him I think the United are in for him as well. Does um does Paulinia's age worry? He's going to be twenty nine soon, I believe. So or is that you just think four year contract in his prime should be okay? Yeah, the thing I, I do, I, I'm a bit worried about his age. I'll be honest. Um, yeah. I think the fees are more important when you look at age. Uh, if, mm. if it's a younger player and you're playing over the odds, I can understand it more because you yeah. get more value out of it and you yeah. there's resale value. Yeah. Alinea would have to come and you'd have to cook. It's the same as Tony. You'd have to come cook. The expectations would have to be you need to come and be like like Rice basically. You come and be yeah. a, you know a, a part of the but, team. But see, but see even way. Rice, though, even though the fee was mad high, we signed a 24 year old Declan Rice. Yeah. We we've got a lot of mileage to get out of Declan Rice, yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? So yeah, so I, I, his age does worry me. Um, but then the counter argument is that we have a lot of players in the team that are under twenty five. Mm-hmm. So we now need to start getting. Not I will, I'm not saying make a conscious effort and recruit eight 29 year olds or do you know what I mean whatever. But we need to get one or two profiles, which is why I was really interested in getting Gundogan in the summer. Like we need a one or two in that midfield that replaces Jorginho, replaces Elneny, that is of age, essentially, mm. I think. So maybe his age profile fits within that because we are, if we're getting rid of both of them and getting him in and um, no, no idea what's going to happen with Partey, we might need some experience there when you think about Patinho maybe coming back and people talk about Mas, you know, MS, MLS getting more minutes. Um, so let's see. Um, I think I would pick um, centre midfield. Because I feel like Partey is so unreliable. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and there's a lot of burden on Declan Rice to be fit. Mm. If he then is not fit, we are yeah. we are fucked. So, I, I, I almost feel like so quickly Declan Rice has become like a potential point of failure within the team. And like obviously people be like, he's always fit, and obviously Touchwood T always remains fit, but he plays a lot of football, yeah. I saw the last two seasons, he's played at least 50 games for, for West Ham in each of the last two seasons, and that's without including every game he always starts for England, too. So you're you're talking about Rice probably clocks up 60 games each season, which is a lot. And don't get me wrong, obviously, at 24, he's young, but probably at his age, he's got a lot of mileage on the clock, Declan Rice, already. Do you know what I mean? Um, so whilst that's great, and I think he's an elite athlete, you still need to protect him where you can. Do you know what I mean? So almost like to the point of, you know, how we've spoken about, look at City when Rodri isn't there. It's almost become a single point of failure, right? So I think you need to future-proof yourself in certain areas where you can. Yeah, which is what, which is for me, is a sentiment field. I would go with that. Um, Party's unreliability. I think Jorginho can help in some games, but I wouldn't run or rely on him. Uh, and I don't think we can. Last last season showed as well that we, um, in some games he will help and he can help you win games, but in some games he's, he's just going to get dusted. Um, the season has showed as well. So I feel like we need to, we need to, we need to do something in midfield, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Great stuff. All right. I think we've done 50 minutes. Let's 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 leave it there. Um German, thank you very much for joining me. Listeners, thank you very much for tuning in. Um two games without a win. So hopefully we'll bounce back this weekend against our potential bogey team Brighton and get a good win um to give us a good preparation ahead of Anfield the weekend after, which is going to be a crazy game. So um yeah, fingers crossed we get the win. Fingers crossed, you know, maybe someone like Party can can be around, um, even if it's to be just a potential sub um, for Anfield. But most important is to get back to winning ways and get the three points this weekend. Um, and yeah, listeners, thank you very much. German, thank you very much. We'll be back with a post-match after the Brighton game. Peace. Yes. It's got to 2-2 and we've still got more than half an hour to go. And here's Ozil. Lacazette. Ozil! Sports Social Podcast Network.